Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening for whenever you're listening, and welcome to the second episode of Food for Thought, the podcast, a production by Study Association Esset Tilburg for all those interested. Via this series, you will be able to gain relevant, inspiring insights from the business world right from your home or on the go. During Food for Thought sessions, well-known and inspiring people, ranging from politicians to economists and business executives, will be interviewed on their personal experiences, the company they might be working for, and the experiences they've had. My name is Melissa van Wingerde, a student at Tilburg University. And I am Abdel Zaryu, also a student at Tilburg University, and together we will be hosting the second edition of the Food for Thought podcast. Today we have the honor to interview an interesting guest. Our guest is Jos Bate, the CEO of ASR, which is one of the largest non-life insurance companies in the Netherlands. Jos Bate studied Dutch law at Erasmus University and he start, started his career at Stad Rotterdam Verzekeringen in 1980. 17 years later, in 1997, he became a member of the board of directors and in 2009 he was appointed as the CEO of ASR. Over the years that Jos Bate has been part of ASR, a lot has happened. In 2000, ASR became part of Fortis. Due to the financial crisis in 2008, Fortis got acquired by the Dutch government and split ASR apart from the organization. In 2016, the government decided to sell ASR stocks to the public via an IPO. And Jos is here with us today. Jos, how are you feeling? I'm quite good. I uh, enjoy having a conversation with the two of you and, and hopefully we can have a fruitful uh, debate and, and a learning uh, full uh, experience for all the listeners. So uh, also welcome to all the listeners of today. Looking forward indeed. Welcome Jos. I have to mention that you are currently not in Tilburg physically, but are calling in online. And we are very happy nevertheless uh, to have you here in, uh, in this way. Well, during this session, we will discuss several topics with you. We will start with some personal questions. Then we will talk about ASR's vitality program and uh, social responsibility. And we will finish with the future of insurance. Uh, I think uh, quite interesting topics. I hope you are uh, excited for today, Jos. I'm always excited when I can speak with and to young people because they, they have the future. I mentioned in the introduction that you studied Dutch law at Erasmus University uh, some time ago. How would you describe your uh, student time? What kind of student uh, were you? Well, I probably have been one of the worst students of of the Erasmus University because um, uh, when I started studying, I visited uh, the first two uh, colleges. And uh, uh, after that, I decided, well, well, uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I found it boring. <laughs> and it was not not the the, the content of, of the stuff that was was talked about, but about the setting, etc. So I gave uh, an employer I knew a, a call and asked whether I uh, could start working for them again. Um, I had worked for them three three weeks, uh, sorry, three months in 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 the year before. Uh, and they accepted my uh, my question, and I started working uh, three days uh, per week, and the other two days I tried to study, but that didn't work for me. So I decided to start working full-time, and I um, actually never went to university again. I only collected uh, all the, the stuff I needed to study and took off a couple of weeks per year um, to, to study 24 hours, 
uh, do the exams, uh, pass most of them, and 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 some of them I, I missed and, and I had to do again, and that's why it took eight years um, to finalize my uh, my law study. Uh, but in the same time, I was able to learn a lot by practicing uh, what I learned in uh, in the job I had by uh, by then. So uh, looking back, I wouldn't advise anybody to do it like I've done it. On the other hand, it has been very helpful. Uh, to boost my career because um, if I had finished my study first, it would have taken uh, a longer period uh, to arrive where I was able to arrive after the first eight years uh, when I combined my study. In the same time, I got married, uh, bought a house so um, and, and had hardly any social life. So I didn't have that exciting period as a student and that's why I had advised our son to do it differently and he, he enjoyed uh, student life uh, and and he made up for me nice nice good good to hear that your son uh, at least is enjoying his student time is is there something what you uh, learned from your student time what you still use today uh, prioritize um, i think uh, combining a study um, get married buying a house uh, try to make a career in your in your daily job uh, means you have to prioritize, and and I think that that was one of the of the key learnings um, uh, in that period. And a more negative learning, um, I think during that period I was only working, studying, and I didn't take that much time off, and and invested in my in my personal uh, well-being, um, and that's why I said it's not. A very good combination: uh, getting married, buying a house, studying, and working at the same time. Um, it it comes at a price. Um, well, after your graduation, you started at uh, Stad Rotterdam Verzekeringen, um, which became Azer in 2008, of course. Um, I'm not sure if insurance firms are the most uh, most popular employees for the average student. Uh, what convinced you to start your career in this industry, actually? Actually, I was born in, in an insurance family. Uh, uh, my dad was a broker and, and also my granddad was a broker. So actually, I was doomed to end up in insurance. Um, and uh, it's one of the arguments we often hear that, that uh, insurance uh, feels like a boring, uh, it's not interesting. But if you look at... Um, look at it in a different way and ask yourself the question what political issue or what societal issue um, is not influenced by insurance then most of the things that are happening uh, either environmental stuff discussions about uh, sickness leave uh, etc are all uh, businesses, the, the 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 whole discussion about pension, uh, about personal well-being, etc. Insurance companies are in almost every societal issue involved 
either as a solution or or, or being helpful in developing uh, uh, solutions. For example, the the, the pension discussion, uh, we're, we're already involved over the last 10 years in that discussion. Environmental discussions, uh, whether we are able to uh, uh, to pay for for future uh, uh, claims and damages if if we are not able to bring down uh, the 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 level of pollution currently. In all those matters, insurance companies are involved. So if you end up working at an insurance company, you're confronted with every societal issue, uh, which is actual. So and and you're working with people, with customers, with colleagues. So actually, it's maybe one of the most interesting areas to work in. Yes, very interesting indeed. Um, I think we are going to elaborate a little bit more later on in the podcast uh, about some of those issues. Um, so very nice that uh, that you are mentioning them. Um, you have been working for Azer quite some time. Uh, I can imagine that there was a moment for you uh, that you possibly possibly wanted to explore other options. Yeah? Um, when was there a moment like this and what was the reason that you, well, uh, potentially wanted to leave uh, the firm? Well, actually, I think um, at least for me, it is important um, that there remain challenges. And as long as there are challenges and you can develop yourself and, and, and learn, um, it remains interesting to stay with an employer as soon as it as you feel well I'm, I stop learning and there are no challenges anymore, then most people start to look around and, and to look for other, uh, other jobs and, and, and other, other challenges. Um, I had the luck and, and the opportunity uh, to change within uh, uh, Stad Rotterdam and later ASR every couple of years uh, in my role. Um, and actually every new role was a new challenge. The only moment um, I was was hesitating whether I would continue my uh, my career in the same co- uh, company was actually in the years before the financial crisis. Um, we were acquired by Fortis by then, which which actually happened in in 2000, um, and the atmosphere within Fortis was, from my perspective, too much focused on. Uh, only creating shareholders uh, uh, value and at the end of the day uh, from my strong opinion as 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 a company you need to take into account all your stakeholders not only the shareholder it's it's a balancing act between all those uh, stakeholders um, and focusing on only one always creates issues with with the other stakeholders um, and then I felt, well, this is not my company anymore. And I start, started looking around. And why at the end of the day I, I stayed uh, actually was the fact that when I was ready to decide to uh, take another job, there, there, was, there was a job on the table, actually uh, uh, Fortis started to collapse. Uh, and I by then was already uh, CEO of the Dutch insurance business. And I came to the conclusion, I, I can't leave my people now. Uh, uh, we're starting uh, uh, to, to row into troubled water and I need to be there for them. So I, I decided, well, I take the decision at a later moment, but, but first uh, lead the company through this, uh, through this crisis. 
And actually, after it happened, the government asked whether I was willing to stay and to lead ASR towards the future. And that, and and then we were actually an independent. We became an independent company, and new uh, challenges were there: uh, the financial crisis and creating a new culture. And that's why I decided to stay. Okay, interesting to hear. Uh, so you already mentioned the financial crisis and then the difference between your leadership uh, positions and challenges. How did these changes influence your leadership style itself? Well, I, actually, I, I've I've seen many examples in the past of leadership, and and I think the most learningful experiences in leadership are um, people that do it in a completely different way. And I've learned from from a lot of those people. This is not my style. Um, and I think one of the most important things. At least I realize it as a leader, I'm leading uh, a company that is in the meantime has become 300 years old. So uh, actually my core role is is forwarding a healthy and future-proof company. Uh, I consider myself as, uh, as a kind of a steward of the company. That's, I think, one uh, aspect. And in, in the period before, that was not the way the company was led. So uh, accepting your actually in a stewardship position means that you have to act differently. It is a permanent balancing act between um, your employees, your customers, your uh, shareholder and the society as a whole. And I think the big change from a leadership perspective was that we decided we're going to serve all those customers, all four of those stakeholders, and we're going to balance between those stakeholders. And that actually meant a tremendous shift in how uh, uh, we're leading the company. Um, we moved from sending messages, what people have to do, to listening, listening, ask questions, dared to be challenged by our own employees, but also by, by customers, and started to act more humble. The whole society was angry to financial institutions, and we decided, well, we will position ourselves as a more humble company and prove that we are uh, worth to be exist in uh, combined with uh, taking uh, future-proof uh, decisions, because in, in a crisis, uh, people also expect from leadership that they dare to take decisions and not talk and talk and talk without taking any, uh, any decision. Yeah, interesting to hear. And you're already talking about crisis. Back then it was a financial crisis. Right now we're again in a crisis, but then the corona. Uh, how would you say that your leadership style changed because of COVID? Well, um, Leadership means that you need to be visible for your people. Um, we in 2009 decided to bring all the people together in one building. Uh, so most of ASR employees are in, in one building in Utrecht and uh, we don't have any separated rooms anymore. Everybody works in an open space. So um, leadership within ASR is, is visible. Um, uh, working from home makes that it is very difficult to be uh, visible. So we developed uh, other ways to remain visible and uh, uh, with our employees. So we organized lots of sessions uh, where uh, over two to three thousand people dialed in and and followed the session, and we had discussions uh, uh, online. We already uh, wrote blogs and did vlogs, but we increased the number of blogs and vlogs to share our thoughts 
and leadership became more personal. Uh, it's not only about communication of, of, of tough business things, but also uh, what are personal worries of management. So I, I was able to, uh, to tell and to talk about my worries about my mother who's living alone and, 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 and can't receive any visitors anymore. And actually, the, the funny thing that happened is that our people today tell us we even know the management much better than we did before because it has become more personal. I think the, the personal touch to leadership is, is one of the changes, uh, one of the positive changes uh, we have uh, seen due to COVID-19. So would you then say that combining your personal life with your career instead of seeing them as two separate parts uh, works better for you? So basically seeing those things as two separate things conflicts in itself? Yes. Um, when I started my career, uh, my, my first approach was uh, those are two worlds and I keep them separate. And, and at the end of the day, um, you can't keep them separate because they, as, as you said in your question, uh, start to conflict with each other. Um, they also shouldn't be 100% overlapping each other. And, and I, I always pointed out in terms of two circles, the, the circle of, of work and private have to uh, overlap partially. And whether it is 30 or 40 or 50%, that, that, that is a very pers personal question. And that has helped to combine uh, a, uh, a very busy uh, a personal life with a very business corporate, uh, corporate life. And in this crisis, uh, actually the integration of your private area uh, with the business area has increased. So the challenge now is to remain the overlap a little bit. And, and that's what we also hear from our uh, colleagues, from, from all the people at ASR. It becomes increasingly difficult to, um, to differentiate uh, the, the, the corporate roles and the corporate uh, tasks you have from your, from your private roles. And it is important to have the overlap, but not a 100% overlap. Is you hear that combining your personal life works at well with your uh, career then? Uh, on that note, I read something about a personal trip to Antarctica that you made. Uh, that also affected your vision for ASR about sustainability. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more how that experience uh, on your personal free time uh, impacted your vision on sustainability as a CEO? Actually, that trip was made with, with, a, with a dear friend of mine who is a photographer. I started as a photographer uh, when I was nine years old. So it's, it's one of the things that, that I already do for a very long time. Uh, and that friend has made over 30 trips to Antarctica. And he said, well, I'm going to make my last trip. I would, I would love you uh, to join me. Uh, and actually, I decided to do so. And when we traveled towards Antarctica, from my perspective, it, it was more as a photography challenge, uh, which was very interesting. And, and I made in, in, in three weeks uh, over 12,000 uh, pictures. Um, but I also became aware, walking on the ice, uh, sitting on a boat, that the power of the ice, the power of nature is overwhelming. And then actually for the first time I had, I felt we as a society are creating a problem with each other and we have to do something. And actually that was the trigger I needed to redevelop uh, the view of ASR on our societal position. 
And actually, since then, we started to focus more and more on on societal aspects and and on environmental uh, aspects. And for example, when we decided that we would concentrate all the ASR people in one building, we decided to restructure the existing building instead of leaving it alone uh, and creating uh, more empty buildings, but restructuring it and do it in the most in, in, in the best way from an environmental perspective. And, and today we're electricity comes from sun and wind. We don't use any gas any, uh, anymore. So I, I think we're by sure the most environmental friendly company from a, uh, a building ownership uh, in, in an old building. Could you also describe uh, your best picture for us that basically showed the sustainability part? <laughs> Um, I, actually, the best picture from my perspective was a, a picture I was able to make where three penguins at the same time left the sea and and actually uh, looked exactly the same uh, and, and, and were fully in, in the middle of my, uh, of my frame, uh, combined with lots of pictures of, um, of beautiful air, uh, uh, sundowners, uh, sunrise, etc., combined with ice. But I think uh, my favorite picture uh, is, the, is the three penguins. Good to hear <laughs> that your personal experience uh, also uh, yeah, connected you to more sustainability. Um, now that we've already touched upon sustainability, we're going to talk about social responsibility. And we will do this by discussing the ASR Vitality program as well as other initiatives. Yes, and uh, well, I think we have a good view indeed of uh, who uh, Jos Bate is. Um, let me first introduce the ASR Vitality Program. Well, with ASR Vitality Program, ASR is one of the leading insurers in the Netherlands that rewards clients with uh, good behavior. And from what I understand, the program enables you to collect vitality points by exercising what you advertise with the catchphrase, kom in beweging and word beloond. And if you subscribe for the program, you have access to the Vitality app. The app sets weekly targets and tracks the amount of steps and your heart rate. The collected points can be exchanged for rewards and you can expect a cashback on a yearly basis. Um, did I explain this correctly? Yeah, uh, technically that is that is fully correct. Uh, but maybe to add on that um, and to clarify um, what is actually at the end of the day the goal of this program, um, we all rationally know that living healthy is a very good thing uh, especially when you get older. Yes. Um, but living healthy today is normally not rewarded directly. If if I tell to my son, well, you have to uh, to keep on moving, to run, to make your steps, and uh, don't drink too much, don't eat too fat, etc. He says, well, um, I don't have any troubles. I'm not. Uh, I, I my body looks good, etc. So I don't need it. Um, and if you become elder, you uh, learn that if you haven't taken care of your body and of your mind, um, you you have to uh, to deal with all kind of potential illnesses. And what we aim with this program that everybody who lives a little bit healthier than he did before, so it's not a program especially for people that already sports a lot, but everybody can use the program to learn what uh, uh, more moving, living healthier 
uh, can do for her or his health. Um, but people uh, have difficulties uh, to invest in things where the reward comes in a couple of years or even in a couple of months. And that's why we adopted the, the Vitality program, because in the Vitality program, there is direct reward for what uh, in the future might be helpful for your health. Um, and and with, uh, with all the participants we already within the first year have, uh, it's our learning that, that the program works very well. I'm, I'm addicted to it. Uh, if, if I see in my agenda that I can't uh, have my, uh, my 10,000 steps per day, so I'm not going to meet the goal. I, uh, I wake up a little bit earlier, and this morning I started uh, making my walk as from uh, a quarter past six. It's horrible for students, I know, uh, but, uh, but it's very helpful uh, to remain fit. Um, and therefore, we are, we are happy that we are able to offer this program to our customers. Fun to hear that you are using the app your, yourself as well. Live by the example. Yeah, exactly. Um, the the program is running now for like one or two years, if I'm not uh, not wrong, right? Uh, October uh, 2019, we introduced the program internally, and it was open for customers in the in the last quarter of 2019. So let's say roughly one and a half year. Yeah. And I was curious about because you you had some uh, yeah yeah goals with with introducing the program. What are the result? What can you say about the results now? Uh, are there people uh, becoming healthier? Is it indeed that it's not only the people that uh, are exercising are taking the program, or are there also people who are not exercising uh, at all uh, are now because of the program start to exercise? Well, uh, what we have seen in the beginning, um, the the first heavy users of the program were in general people that already were very active and exercising, etc. Um, in the meantime, more and more people um, started to use the program, um, and we don't uh, uh, we don't have any access to the personal health data of of people, so. To the second part of the question, I actually can't give an answer because we just don't know. But if we, uh, what we do know is uh, is the status in the program of people, and what we do see is that the number of people that have the highest status in uh, in the program uh, is in, is increasing, and those are not only uh, heavy uh, exercisers, but but also people that never exercised uh, before. And whether it has helped uh, their health is not accessible for us because th those are personal and protected data. Um, uh, it's our hope that we will um, see the impact in our claims in the future that, that people that use the program uh, make, uh, make a lower use of, for example, health insurance. Um, and before we, uh, before that becomes measurable, we need to do this for a couple of years. That is uh, also in other countries where the program is used. You need a, you need a couple of years to really see the impact uh, on, uh, for example, uh, health uh, health insurance use. Well, I think uh, everyone has a good idea what what the Vitality program entails, um, and I think it's a, it's a good program because we. We have seen in the last years how important it is to, to stay healthy, of course, and uh, how less we have been exercising over last decades. 
we see all the numbers of uh, overweight adults rising. Uh, so Vitality sounds like a program uh, to tackle this issue. Um, at the same time, uh, I, I was wondering uh, if you reward people with, uh, with good behavior, aren't you uh, punishing the people who are not uh, using the program or who are uh, not meeting or achieving the, the targets? How do you see that? Well, um, the beauty of the program is everybody is free to use the program. Um, in in terms of uh, underwriting uh, and, and pricing, whether you use the program or not, to become a customer at ASR, there is no difference uh, in terms of, uh, of, of acceptance or pricing, whether you use or not use the program. That I, I think that is very important. So uh, we are rewarding people uh, uh, who use the program. Uh, those are small rewards because we believe for the longer term, those people remain healthier, which is from a societal point of view, a good thing. But also for us, uh, if if those people claim less, that that's that's also better for us. Uh, but at the moment, uh, the program the program does cost a lot of money, but we believe in the long term impact of it. So people that decide not to use the program, we're okay with that. They're not punished in in no way, but they're not rewarded also. So I my framing would be more: you do have the choice to get rewarded, and if not, we're fine. Uh, it's it's. Also, the program is a very innovative uh, uh, thing in the insurance industry, I think. Uh, and I was also wondering, what is the limit? You already mentioned the, the, um, uh, the privacy of, of, uh, of data of people, that you cannot say whether people uh, that use the program uh, already were exercising. Um, but also, uh, if, if you think about a healthy lifestyle, it's not only exercising, but also for example, what type of food you are eating. Um, do you see a future where you would track something like that? Or is that something that uh, that's not of a discussion? Well, um, let me first react to the word track. We will not track whether people uh, uh, eat healthy food. But one of the next levels uh, of vitality could be to help people to use healthy food and and uh, already today, if you're using the uh, the app, you can answer to a, a number of questions on on your on the the type of food you're using, and that gives you insight whether your your uh, the way you uh, consume food is is in general considered to be healthy or not. Um, so already today, people are able to register how uh, uh, whether they eat very fat or less fat food, whether they drink enough, uh, whether they have enough uh, vegetables, etc. So that's already part of the program. In other countries, the next step, and we're considering that, is that, for example, um, you make an arrangement with, uh, with Jumbo or Albert Heijn, uh, and that people uh, are discounted uh, at those stores to buy healthy food. Uh, for example, in South Africa, where uh, actually the, the program uh, started, um, in, in lots of large uh, supermarkets, there are separate departments for vitality food. And, and if and when the program uh, grows and the number of, of users uh, uh, be, uh, becomes larger, 
um, then a, a number of supermarkets in the Netherlands might be interested to offer food, especially for the for the vitality program. So our dream is to help people to live healthier and to give them access and guidance what food is healthy and what is what isn't. But we're not tracking uh, what I eat. Uh, uh, we, we can't see it and, and we're not registering it. So we only help people to give insight in what is healthy and what is less healthier, at least from a, from a common knowledge uh, in, in the medical world. Okay, we just have been talking about the vitality program of Azer. Um, I think this is a good moment to uh, talk about sustainability, what uh, Melissa is going to uh, discuss. Yeah, beautiful to hear that ASR Vitality uh, tries to motivate people in the short term uh, because they simply just don't uh, see those short-term targets. Um, then uh, ASR is also a front-runner in investing in sustainability, of course. Um, so I would like to know, uh, for example, stakeholders and shareholders also expect you to make returns. How do these returns on sustainability uh, and sustainable investments uh, relate to the market itself? Do they beat their competitors? In general, uh, there is a lot of proof that companies that are run in a sustainable uh, way, long-term, create more value also for the shareholders than companies that are more focused on the short-term. Maybe in the short-term, there is excess return in, uh, in companies that, that are less focused on, uh, on impact and on, on social responsibility. Uh, but there is significant proof And we are a long-term investor. We are not investing for the next two or three years, but for our pension uh, uh, insured. And, and they are often for over 50 years a customer. They build up can, uh, pension and they get paid. So for us, it is very important that there is a long-term investment return. And uh, we don't see any negative impact Of the uh, out of the fact that we already since since over 10 years are now focused on more social responsible investing. Actually, if I compare our if if you look at our financial outcome, um, I think we are one of the best performing insurance companies in Europe uh, already for a couple of years, and that is that is acknowledged also by by shareholders. Okay, good to hear that sustainability is that important to you, and that it also generates return, of course. Um, then during the Dutch elections, uh, one of the solutions towards this climate change problem that has been mentioned was nuclear energy. Uh, you're, of course, like an, a big investor. Uh, would ASR also invest in such uh, yeah, so-called solutions towards the climate change problem? Well, I, th I think um, at the moment we don't. Um, it is given the the view of society and the current political view, uh, we wouldn't. If and when, uh, going forward, this uh, nuclear energy would be a real solution for the issue. And there are better solutions for storing the rest products of, uh, of, of the use of nuclear energy, then we probably would consider it. But today, the answer would be, uh, would be no. Uh, but if, if it's going to be a proven solution to reduce CO2 and there are no other viable solutions available, I think as a society, we need to dare to, to take other decisions. If, if we're not getting there through 
the current solutions, you have to consider other solutions. So you would consider it, but there are certain boundaries uh, for ethical reasons. Yes, in uh, in the current environment uh, uh, and, and, and the way uh, we look at it today, uh, the answer would be no. Uh, but if there are significant developments in, in, in storing uh, all the output, uh, etc., then we probably would uh, would consider it. But but also with nuclear energy today, I think we're we're creating a potential problem for the generations that will live in in 100 or 200 years from now. And as long there are no real solutions for for that, I think we would be holding back on that. As this team uh, went about social responsibility, uh, yeah. You're clearly showing responsibility, I guess, <laughs> with this. Um, now, we've also received some questions from students. So uh, next we will uh, ask those to you. Mm -hmm. Yes, so uh, let's start with the first question. In 2008, due to the financial crisis, Azer was, of course, acquired by the Dutch government. Azer was government-owned until 2016. Is there anything inherited from that period? Is there something still noticeable uh, from the time in the in the organization? Um, a couple of things. I, I think, first of all, um, the way the Dutch state behaved as a shareholder, from our perspective, was very positive. He didn't interfere in how we run the company and we were able actually to run the company in a way we thought it was it was necessary. Um, I think the most important learning uh, from having the Dutch state as a shareholder is that you get involved in, in discussions uh, with the ministry, with parliament, and that you learn to look at a different way at what is your role as a company in society. Um, being a financial company, and especially in the period within Fortis, the focus was, was more on, on creating financial value and less on uh, societal value. I think because of the discussions we had with civil servants, with the minister, with, with parliament, we learned that it is important um, to also look at the world from their point of view. And actually, that was one of the drivers that helped us to increase the effort to become a more social, responsible company. So I think due to the fact that we were owned by the state, we learned that we had to take on board more different views and also views from parliament and, 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 and politicians. And that has helped to move to a more social, responsible company. Nice. So, so your paradigm about how the company uh, has to serve society has, has changed over uh, during that period. Definitely, definitely. I have maybe uh, a second question what might be related to that because uh, you have been working for the financial industry quite some time. And of course, in 2008, we had a financial crisis. Uh, what has been changed as a result of, of, of the financial crisis back, uh, back then? I think for for ASR, the most important change is uh, move from a single stakeholder model to a multi-stakeholder model and do it all the way. For example, um, uh, uh, we've in, in our articles of association, we have adopted that we take into account 
the societal impact of our behavior. We are one of the few companies that has done so. We really care about the balance between employees, uh, customers, uh, shareholders, uh, and, and the society as a whole. My, my personal view is if your people are happy, they treat customers fairly and customers will end up happy, the result will be better. So we are able to reward uh, uh, shareholders for the capital they have made available for us and we end up being an, an accepted uh, company in, in society because if you lose the trust of society um, actually you're deemed to die. So basically you're saying that, she, that ASR should be a value in the future uh, and now that we've already touched upon that we're almost approaching the end um, and I'm very curious what your beliefs are about the future of ASR and the insurance sector. Could you mention the most important change that you expect in the coming five years? Well, I think the most important change is uh, historically insurance exists to organize solidarity, to collect risk and to price them in a way that everybody can afford to take risk in the personal lives, in the business lives. Um, I think what we see nowadays, only collecting risk and, and reprice them is not enough for a healthy future, especially in a, in, a, in a digitalized world. You have to add more services to become more relevant for your customers. And we already talked about a vitality program. If you want to remain of importance for society and for your customer, you have to add more value than only or reorganizing risk and, and organizing solidarity. So adding more uh, relevance for your customers in the future is, is, I think, one of the of the most important steps in the future that insurance companies have to, uh, have to make. Secondly, we have to increase customer experience. So looking how we can increase uh, digitalization and increase customer experience is going to be very, very important for uh, for the future. So becoming more digital is part of the of the journey we have to make going forward, and also be attractive for younger generations that do by nature uh, everything in a digital way. Um, and the third thing I would would mention is more collaboration uh, with uh, all kind of platforms. Uh, to remain relevant for your for your future customers. I think those are the three important developments we at least see going forward. Okay, very interesting to hear. Uh, so the client is, uh, is key in this case for the future. As you already mentioned, uh, it has also been announced that as of April 19, the products of, of one of your brands, Amosforce, will be transferred to ASR. Is that one of the things that you meant with collaboration between brands? Uh, no, actually, uh, uh, the Amersfoort is already uh, since the 90s a hundred percent part of ASR. The people of Amersfoort already uh, work in the same building, uh, uh, so are already uh, part of the of the same team. Um, and investing uh, in in branding uh, for two brands is more expensive. And, and now the ASR brand seems to be vested and we get all kind of, of, of positive, positive reactions on how uh, the ASR brand is considered. 
we've decided well it's better that also disability insurance products because the 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 main products at Amersfoort are health insurance and disability and now the ASR brand has become a very strong brand we're, we're one of the top 30 brands in the Netherlands and also in in all kind of investigations we we always come out very positive we've said well let's use the strength of the brand also for our disability and health business okay so in the end ASR is going to be more publicly known and in that sense. Yes, that is the, the main brand where we invest in is, is the ASR brand. We do have a couple of, uh, of other brands also like Ditso, uh, like the Europees, uh, like Ardanta. But the main marketing uh, investment is made in the ASR brand. So now that we've mainly touched upon ASR and ASR's future as well as the insurance sector, uh, how do you look at your personal future? When has your career as CEO been successful for you? Um, well, some people have told me it, it is already uh, successful, so you need to stop uh, at, a, at a high. Um, but I, I have a, a personal philosophy. We as leaders and also government is telling everybody in the Netherlands, uh, you have to work longer uh, before you are able uh, to go into pension. So I think we, we as leaders need to be an example also for our employees. And if I tell my employees, well, you have to work until you're uh, 66 or uh, 67, it's my aim to do the same, just to be an example. Uh, for that, it is important, and I'm now 62, that you remain healthy uh, and that it, that it is still a challenge and that you learn every day. And from my perspective, I'm still learning. I still enjoy it. In general, I love to go to work, to travel a lot, to visit uh, uh, shareholders, to have conversations with colleagues and, and with clients. Um, so for the time being, I hope I'm there to stay. At the end of the day, it is a decision of the supervisory board. As in, in, in my position, you don't decide when you leave, but I still enjoy it very much. Okay, now we're really excited to hear uh, or to follow your next steps. Then um, we're already at our last question. Yes, and uh, our last question, which comes back every time, actually, as the name of our podcast uh, suggests, uh, do you have a food for thought for us, for the listeners? Um, I think a couple of uh, a couple of things. Um, and, and all from my personal experience and learning, because I, I freely can talk about my personal experience, um, it's very important um, to be yourself. Allow yourself to be yourself. Um, in certain uh, periods in your career, you will see others being successful and think, well, if I copy the behavior of those people, I will become successful too. But if a, a certain type of behavior doesn't fit your personality, you will dramatically fail. So. In all cases, remain yourself. That I, I think that that would be one uh, thing I would uh, give as a, as a food for thought. Secondly, it is it is very important to dare to trust your own stomach, your own feeling. Um, when when we studied, when I studied, we it was more focused on rational arguments. My learning is. If you take your decisions on only rational arguments, also your, your life-changing decisions, uh, whether you are going to create a family or not, etc., um, you also will miss a, a very important voice, which is the voice of your body, the voice of your heart, the voice of your stomach, etc. So also dare to follow 
what you feel when you have to take a decision. If rationally everything points out, well, this is a good decision, but it doesn't feel right, don't go there. I think those two advices or foods for thought I would like to uh, to leave with uh, all the listeners. They, they at least helped me uh, after I, uh, I made uh, uh, the wrong decisions and, and tried to copy behavior of others because they were successful. It was my learning. It all failed. And being myself is the most helpful thing I, I ever brought to myself. Thank you. You're also listening to your environment and to your uh, stomach. Uh, well, with this answer, we are already at the end of this podcast. Um, Melissa and I would like to thank you for being present today. Uh, we think uh, it was a very inspiring interview. Thanks for the opportunity and, and hopefully uh, lots of students enjoyed it and, and are going to enjoy it. And, and maybe they can take away some, uh, some of uh, the personal learnings I had. I'm pretty sure about that. Our next interview will be with Jacques van der Broek, who is the CEO of Randstad. If you don't want to miss any of our future episodes, make sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Tilburg and at foodfortaught.tiu. This podcast was a production by Study Association Tilburg, Tilburg School of Economics and Management and the podcast producer.